Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to Circling the Bases, proudly presented by Roto World and NBC Sports. I'm DJ Short, and with me here is Eric Samolski. We're live on Twitch right now, so thanks for tuning in. For those of you listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording on Monday afternoon, uh, right in the middle of the dog days of summer, it feels like. NFL preseason has begun, so... Attention starting to turn to fantasy football prep for many. I was at the Fantasy Football Expo over the weekend in Canton, Ohio. It was a lot of fun. But with folks being distracted by that, it presents an opportunity uh, to make up some ground or make that final push in fantasy baseball leagues. So, uh, you know, just if you're doing your due diligence on a daily basis, and that's what we're going to talk about in this episode, focusing on teams to target down the stretch either to stream against uh, bad offenses or bad pitching staffs to maybe load up your lineup, uh, pick up some fringe pieces that can help you out in the short term. Eric, how's it going, man? How was your weekend? It's good. Weekend was was good. I, uh, you know, one, I trained a little bit on football, you know, professionally have to do it, uh, but definitely yep. still grinding in a few, in a few leagues here for baseball. So, um, you know, doing the math on how many, you know, how many fab periods do you have left? How much yep. money do you have left? Uh, average out, like, how much can you spend? That kind of stuff is really important at, at this stage because if you're competing, you don't really want to be left with leftover money. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it would suck to lose a guy by, like, $3 and then have $7 left at the end of the season and think about, like, what could have been, so... I, yeah, I might be in that position right now. I, I in my NL only labor league, I, I'm like falling a dollar or two short yeah. in the past couple of weeks to get some guys who could really help me right now. I'm not going to win the league, but I want to at least finish respectfully. That's, that's where I'm at. I mean, you know, I joked about it on Twitter, but like my AL only rotation, I lost McClanahan, Ray, Molly. Um, Eovaldi just for a little bit, uh, Brian Wu, like every pitcher I have just goes down at some point. So, um, right. you know, picking up a lot of Luis Medina, Chase Silseth, and I threw a whole bunch of money at Ramon Laureano because, like, yeah. why not? He's starting again. So, but exactly. we'll get to these guys later, I'm sure. Yeah. Did you see the Luis Medina play from the weekend where he <laughs> just like casually was like, all right, I'm going to win this race to the bag? And I kind of did that. Right, but I also don't understand. Like, there had to be something else to it. Like, he almost like stopped. Like, it was it was so strange. Like, like he stopped. Like, he was gonna flip it, but then decided not to flip it. But then just stood yeah. there. The whole thing right. was was wild to me. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was like uh, he turned into like autopilot robot for a second, and uh, his brain was misfiring. Whatever it was, was not it was a good. The op- it was the opposite of that Cedric Mullins catch in center field, which won the Orioles that huge game, which was uh, yeah. incredible, incredible defense rather yeah. than uh, mind-boggling defense. Yeah. So before we move on here, NFL season, like we said, quickly approaching. Now is the perfect time to get your Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Get ready for your draft and stay one step ahead of your league during the preseason with updated player rankings, profiles, projections, mock drafts, and a lot more. Eric, actually, uh, you recently put an article in there uh, introducing your formula for uh, defenses during the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all matters over the course of a season, and uh, yeah. Listen, a good a good fantasy defense can sometimes win you weeks. When you pop yeah. that like 14, 15, 16-point week, um, can be a difference maker. Yeah, no doubt. So go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide. You can use our promo code DRAFT2023. Again, it's DRAFT2023 to save 20% at checkout. So like I was saying, we're going we're gonna to focus on some of the teams that you should really be streaming against, and it goes both ways. You could you know, attack a bad pitching staff. Uh, you could attack a bad offense. And I'm not at this point of the season, I'm not looking at season numbers. I'm looking mm-hmm. at like last 30 days and like since, you know, the trade deadline uh, yeah. or since the start of August, because there are some some sellers. We know the White Sox traded off a ton of pieces, mostly on, on the pitching side. Uh, the Mets did the same, obviously, both you know position players and pitching. So there are some kind of maybe obvious teams and maybe some of this isn't going to surprise you. But if you pay attention to this stuff, especially because the schedule is so important, uh, you could really win some weeks here uh, during mm-hmm. a credit, critical stretch. So that's what what we're going to focus on today. Yeah, that stuff is crucial. Um, not just like what player should I add, but just you know maybe a player who you wouldn't normally add. But yep. it's not just in we you do the, we do this traditionally when it's like who's going to Coors, and I'll add a player who's going to Coors when maybe I wouldn't have normally. Um, it might be I'll add a player because they're playing you know, team X for a four game series and that kind of stuff, you know, makes the difference at this point in the season. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. This is, this is actually a Coors Field week. Uh, yeah. The Rockies have a six game homestand. They get the Diamondbacks and the White Sox. Two teams have not played well recently. So it's kind of a weird situation. Yeah. I think you probably should add hitters on, on both teams because yeah. those could be some ugly, ugly baseball games. So go ahead. I mean, but it's funny because the Rockies offensively, they've traded off pieces here. We've seen that recently. Their offense is awful. This month, yeah. they're hitting 196 with a strikeout rate of 32.1%. Like, yeah, Coors Field is scary, but, you know, if you're desperate, maybe you could go for it. But there still is a level of risk there. Yeah, I mean, the Rockies are definitely one of the teams that, you know, were. Talk, talking about targeting when you want to look at an offense that's struggling and, and throw pitchers against them. But, you know, it's Merrill Kelly, Slade, Shikoni, and uh, an, un- an as-yet-unidentified starter uh, for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. So, like, I, I really like Merrill Kelly, I, and it's a two-start week, so I could yeah. see throwing him. Um, sure. But you, you definitely don't want to force these things. But I would say that, like, you know when when they get the White Sox, like I, I like Cease. Like you're not gonna 
you know, move away from guys like that necessarily. But I, I wouldn't be starting – I wouldn't really be attacking the Rockies with any fringe pitcher this week because all those guys are too fringy for me. Yeah, what's shocking about the Rockies pitching staff, like have you seen their strikeout numbers on the Rockies pitching staff? Like it is shockingly low. Yeah. Uh, for the past 30 days, I believe it's around like I, – I know K per nine is not perfect, but – it's like in the sixes and in August it's like in the fives, like for a pitching staff to have that in 2023, like it's, it's, it stands out like a sore thumb. So like, if you want to pick up a hitter on the, the diamondbacks this week, like I love Tommy Pham. Uh, he's been the regular DH Jake McCarthy and even looking deeper, like a Jace Peterson or an Alec Thomas, like, you know, if you just need someone, you know, plug and play for a few days, I, I think, Certainly, Fam and McCarthy should be rostered, um, but you could even look deeper with those guys. I think. Yeah. Also, the the Rockies are set to start two lefties um, in Ty Blatch and Austin Gomber. So yeah. you know those right handed hitters on the um, those right handed hitters you were mentioning on the Diamondbacks are going to be good guys to to go out and get. Uh, Fam, I love that call. Um, you know, I I would probably then shy away from like an Alec Thomas twi- uh, type. I think Lourdes Gurriel is still like available in far too many leagues. Um, you know, in your deeper formats, he's not rostered. But I just think people have kind of, kind of lost sight of the fact that he's been pretty good for most of the season. You know, against a bunch of lefties, uh, he is available right now in forty percent of Yahoo leagues. So if those are one of your leagues, that's a, a pretty good time to scoop him. Yeah, I, I'm into that. Uh, looking at some of the other uh, offenses here that have been struggling recently, not a big surprise to see the Athletics in August hitting 211 as a team. Uh, Zach Geloff has been awesome in the short time that we've seen him in the majors so far. He's kind of the exception for that lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. The Giants are hitting 212 so far this month. They've struggled for a while offensively. So if you want to take a stream against the Giants, I could totally – uh, understand that at this point. Uh, the Angels have struggled offensively um, so far this month. I think they're better than their numbers have been uh, recently, sure. but you know, if you want to take a shot on a team like that, the Guardians are you know, just lacking, not a shock, lacking power. So I tweeted something out earlier today. So far in August, Matt Olson leads the majors with seven home runs. Nick Castellanos has six. The entire Guardians team has five home runs so far. It's rough. That is sad. Yeah. It is rough. Um, you know, we mentioned, like, obviously them getting Ramon Laureano and and Cole, Cole Calhoun. Um, those are the big big additions recently, okay. and you're not thinking you're going to get power from from those guys. Um, I also like, you know, you, we, you mentioned a few of these teams they cross over. I like looking at strikeout rate uh, for offenses to see mm-hmm. – what teams to attack to because obviously you know you have bad offenses that don't score a lot of runs and as has been true of like the nationals for much of the year you know you can score you can not score a lot of runs but if you don't strike out it can limit the fantasy value of a pitcher if you're gonna if the pitcher's gonna go five six innings allow two runs strike out two strike out three you're not mad at that outing but it's not necessarily something that you like really want to attack on the wire um but if you can, you know, bump up a high strikeout rate, then that adds uh, some extra value. So, you know, in August, the Rockies as an offense are striking out over 32% of the time. Right. Um, the Reds, 
uh, I think everybody is really, really into the Reds because we like their young players. They're striking out over 28% of the time in August. They're hitting 238 in August. Um, I wouldn't really play pitchers against them at Great American Ballpark, uh, which is this entire week. But, you know, next week they go on the road again and, you know, they can be a vulnerable offense on the road. Uh, you also mentioned, you know, the Angels striking out over 27%, the White Sox striking out over 27%, um, and the Giants striking out over 25% while hitting just 212 in August um, are all offenses that I'm I'm looking to kind of to attack a little bit. Um, so, like, you know, Aaron Savali gets the Giants this week. Um, you know, he's a guy who's not overly rostered in a lot of leagues, so I think that that, that could be interesting. Um, but then the Giants face a lot of guys that are, are, you know, in play in basically every league. Unfortunately, for if you're trying to attack the White Sox, they only play five games. Um, three of them are in cores. Right. So, you know, I don't really know if you're throwing Peter Lambert or Chris Flexen in cores because they're playing the White Sox. No, no, no. So I, I think, I think yeah. the White Sox is a team to look at for next week, most likely. What do you think of Zach Littell, who's been – pretty good since moving like Ray's work in their magic gets the giants on Tuesday. You know, would you risk it uh, against the giants team? Like, like you said, they've been, they've been bad for a while. Right. A Giants team that he, he pitched for last year too, yeah. as a, as a reliever. Yeah. Um, it's, it is this weird, like Ray's voodoo of like taking these relievers and, you know, turning them into decent starters. I mean, his three starts also, like, I guess the, the Cardinals and the Tigers aren't great offenses, um, but he, he pitched pretty well against the the Astros too. So, yeah, I, I would take a shot, I think. I think you could get, you know, six innings, two runs, five strikeouts, something similar to that kind of line, um, which I think is is usable for sure. I just think it's funny that he's doing so well. Ryan Brazier's doing well. Like the Red Sox just released a bunch of relievers in the middle of the year and other teams were like, okay, we'll take them and we'll make them very good. <laughs> Red Sox could use a guy like that. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> uh, Matthew Libertor had a great start against the Rays uh, last week. He gets the A's on Wednesday. Is that kind of an automatic or you still want to see more? I was so in on him early in the year because he had that VLO boost in right. the minors and everything was playing up. And then the velocity just left. Um, I think if you're in deep leagues, like I could see taking the shot, but yeah, I don't, I honestly don't love it. Um, like Oakland, you know, has a two eleven batting average in August They're only striking out 23% of the time. So they're literally dead middle of, of the league and in, in strikeout rate. So, you know, he, you're not going to get I if you follow that maybe you don't get a high strikeout number from from Libertor you get you know solid like one run outing which is fine he doesn't excite me but if it's a 15 team league I, I could see it so the Mets are hitting 216 in August so far the strikeout rate isn't super high but the Cardinals playing the Mets this week uh Miles Michaelis gets a two-star week he has the A's and the Mets so I think you run with that Mm -hmm. uh, Steven Matz gets the Mets later in the week are, you know, in a, in a standard, like 12 team mixed league, are you starting both of these guys? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, I covered Matz a couple of weeks ago in my mixing it up column with just the, the pitch change, um, you know, mix that he had been 
utilizing, and he's been super effective of late, um, like like really effective. Uh, in the second half of the year, um, he's got a two sixteen ERA. That's in you know over, a little over thirty three innings. That's a, a large enough sample size um, to suggest that his his changes have been working. And the Mets are just an offense that ugh, I mean. Listen, Alonzo can always get into one. Yeah. Um, you know, same thing with Francisco Alvarez. Like, you know, I don't want to write them off fully, but they've just been so poor. It's I top. Think, it's very top-heavy lineup at this point. Yeah, right? I think like those are guys one you through can definitely. Five start. is all right, but then it's a triple-A lineup from there, basically. Right. Um, and I even think like if you're in a deep, if you're in a deep league, um, I think also like earlier in the week the Mets get the Pirates. Um, and Johan Oviedo has been solid for much of the year. In the second half of the year, he's got a 350 ERA um, in 36 innings. He's allowed just a 164 batting average against in the second half. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not confident enough in a shallow league, but in a 15 team league, certainly in in NL only league, you know, um, I think that Johan Oviedo is also a good pitcher to attack the Mets with. So looking at pitcher uh, staff ERAs over through August and the past 30 days. So uh, the Mets have a 6.55 ERA so far this month. Most of that coming on Saturday when they got destroyed 21 to three in the first game of the doubleheader. Uh, but the Reds are there 6.45 ERA, Angels 6.17 ERA, Rockies 5.90. Not huge shock there. Past 30 days, so kind of broadening the scope here, Diamondbacks 5.63 ERA. Nationals 5.30, Pirates 5.16, Mets 5.02, Rockies 4.86, Royals are right there too. Not huge surprises in in here, I think. I think most mm -hmm. you know fantasy baseball players probably know this, but uh, the Diamondbacks is kind of a little bit of a surprise to see them yeah. that high. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and also you know I. Another stat I'm looking at when I'm trying to attack a pitching staff is um, home run rate, like you yeah. know, homers per nine. And the Diamondbacks have the fourth worst over the last 30 days, um, averaging 1.65 homers per nine. Um, yeah. So, you know, th that also is something that kind of like gets those alarm bells going of like maybe, um, you know, you, you can run some teams against them as well. We mentioned they're going to be in – Colorado. Yeah. So like so, a Nolan you know, Jones, if he's out yeah. there. You've got a team that's giving up a lot of home runs uh, going to Colorado. Uh, and again, we, we know two of the three starters they're throwing out there. Um, but Nolan Jones, looking in, in deep leagues, I actually started Michael Toglia this week. Um, yeah. He's getting regular at-bats for the Rockies. It hasn't clicked yet, but you know, in some 15-team leagues, I, I need it. Um, I still think Ezekiel Tovar gets overlooked, and he's, you know, been really good over the last couple of months. So he's a guy I would definitely throw into lineups as well. Um, and then uh, Ella Horace Montero has started five of the last seven games for the Rockies um, at first base and and DH because they've also been using Taglia in the outfield. So that's just a name to keep an eye on, um, right. especially if you're in like a daily moves league and you can keep him on your bench and start him when he's in, you know, that you could take advantage of that early in the week. Yeah. And basically any time that Kodai Singa is not pitching for the Mets, like <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get some bats in there against him. Even the pirates, you know, 
uh, Jake Sawinski, Henry Davis, uh, Lyover Padero, like guys like that. These are kind of deeper options, but mm-hmm. I think you give them a whirl this week because uh, Senga just pitched Sunday. So there's really nothing there in the Mets rotation to be uh, optimistic about. Uh, Cardinals, you know, Tyler O'Neill maybe is still out there. Uh, you take a chance on him later this week too. Yeah, if you stick in the same city, uh, the Yankees have allowed the third most homers per nine over the last 30 days um, at 1.69. We know the issues with Rodon. Um, you know, that rotation now features both Randy Vasquez and Johnny Brito uh, and Luis Severino, who <laughs> body swapped with somebody um, because he's batting been practice terrible. pitcher, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you're not, they, they face the A's, oh, sorry, the A's, the, uh, Braves early in the week. I don't really know what brave hitters are available on waivers. Cause they're all just destroying right. the ball. Um, yeah. but th- that's a good matchup. If you see anybody on waivers in your league, um, you know, some of the guys who are, who are more part-time players, uh, and then the, the Yankees get the Red Sox, um, and, you know, Garrett Cole will go over the weekend. So that makes it a, a little more difficult, um, but, you know, the Red Sox are, are hitting relatively well. Um, you know, Johnny Brito and Clark Schmidt are not – they don't really scare anybody. Um, so I think you, you can make a move there. I still see Trevor Story available in a lot of – in too many leagues because yeah. he has not hit the ball well since coming back. But, you know, I'm not overly concerned about that. Yeah, Jaron Duran as well is available in, in 37% of Yahoo leagues. Um, you know, he's going to hit at the top of the lineup against the, all the righties the Yankees are going to throw, so he can be scooped up pretty much everywhere. The Twins have been disappointing, but and they only have five games this week, but they get the Tigers and the Pirates, so uh, two pitching staffs you should attack. Max Kepler is out there in a lot of, a lot of leagues. I think we talked about Matt Waldner last week on the show, mm-hmm. so if you want to take a shot on a couple of bats, we maybe not give you the volume. Uh, but have a chance to make some noise in kind of a short week for them. Yeah, and Walner in particular because they're set to face five righties. Um, and while he has been playing against lefties as well, um, his playing time is is far more secure against right-handed pitching. Same with Edward Julian, who like sometimes sits against right. righties. Uh, sorry, against lefties. So uh, we're going to move on to here to some talk about fab and uh, wafer wire pickups from the weekend before we do that. MLB Sunday leadoff heads to Texas this week, uh, where the Seattle Mariners will take on last year's World Series champion, the Houston Astros. Watch these two teams not only battle for position in the AL West, but for the postseason as well. Catch the action live this Sunday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on Peacock. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. So let's get into some of the fab stuff here. I feel like it's getting a, a lot quieter on mm-hmm. the waiver wire uh, these days. Um, I My big pickups from the weekend were Ryan Jeffers. I needed a second catcher. I dropped Jan Gomes. I got Cade Marlowe. I, I dropped Brian Anderson, who I had for a while. He was hurt for a bit. Taking a shot on Marlowe, he hit a grand slam over the weekend. There's some pop and speed in his profile, so... Those are my two big pickups in uh, Tat Wars mixed. I fully support the the Marlowe call. Um, you know, I picked up Marlowe in AL Tout um, when he came up because obviously it's a deeper AL only league. Um, but I really liked what he did in AAA. You know, eleven home runs, twenty five stolen bases uh, in sixty nine AAA games speaks to a fantasy friendly profile. He's hitting three thirteen with two home runs and two steals in 18 games and is playing regularly. So I, I love that, that Marlowe call. I think that that's a, a really good scoop for a lot of people in leagues. Um, I moved on from Starling Marte basically everywhere I have him. I know they haven't said he's out for the year, but he's out for multiple weeks. There's absolutely no reason for the Mets to push him to come back this year unless he's 100% healthy. And, you know, the, the groin injury for a guy who's speed based so like a guy like marlo um would be a, a good ad for somebody like uh Marte. and then as i mentioned earlier i grabbed i made the swap for uh ramon loriano for Marte in a few leagues as well um mm-hmm. you know loriano has disappointed a little bit but he's got that same like 20 homer 20 speed kind of profile to him and he's gonna play every day for the guardians or you know 80% of the games for the Guardians. So I, I think that yeah. there's some value there. What do you think of Emerson Hancock? He was actually the highest bid player in my uh, Tat Wars mixed draft, mm-hmm. uh, 88. I think at this point, people are just spending a lot of their fab. So 88, far sure. away, uh, the most bid player uh, this weekend. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by him. I think, you know, if you're comparing within his pitching staff, he's a lot more, you know, George Kirby than Brian Wu in terms of like, he's a lot more command around the zone than he is plus raw stuff. Um, but he's, he's been a, you know, of the, pro- the prospect writers that I follow, he's been, you know, talked about for a long time. Yep. Um, and so I think that there's, there's enough value um, in his arsenal with like, you know, forcing cutter change up sinker. It's all, you know, it's all going to be a lot of like inducing soft contact. I don't think you're going to get a lot of like really high strikeout rate games. So it depends on what you need right now. If you're good in ratios and you're chasing strikeouts, he might not be my top priority. If you're okay right. in strikeouts and you want ratios and wins because Seattle's good, I think Hancock is is really good. Uh, my top pitching ad this week was Nick Lodolo because he's um, already back in a rehab. Uh, on, on his rehab assignment his last outing was 22 pitches so he probably needs two maybe three more starts so you're probably looking at two more weeks 
But this is the time right now where if you're in a good spot and you can, you know, add Nicodolo and keep him on your bench for two weeks and then he's back, um, you know, he's obviously we know the talent there and we know the Reds yeah. are competing. So they're, they want him to come up even if he's only throwing five innings. So looking at my NFBC uh, TGFBI league, uh, the highest bid this week was actually for Trevor Story. And that might sound a little crazy that he would still be out there, but uh, it's tough in the TGFBI leagues because you only have so many bench spots. You, you, mm-hmm. know, you can't p- put players on the IL. So often when a player is hurt, you, you have to make some tough decisions. So he was still out there. I don't really have much uh, fab dollars left in there because my – my pitching staff was destroyed this year, so I was taking a lot of shots on on different pitchers throughout the course of the season. So someone was fortunate enough to have some cash left to get story. I think that was a, a great add and just kind of a reminder, like, take a look. You never know in your league. Yeah. He might still be out there. Yeah, I added him. I was surprised he was still available in my 12-team Rotowire, uh, the Rotowire Online Championship, mm-hmm. which is a big enough entry fee league that, like, it's, I'm kind of surprised he slipped through. I didn't need middle infield prior to some injuries, and then I, I needed it all of a sudden, and he was there, and I you know, happened to have the hammer with Fab and was able to go get him, so I'm, I'm really happy about that. Um, my NFBC league was, was super catcher-dominated, actually. It was um, Gary Sanchez and Freddie Fermin were the top two ads. Huh. Um, and the Freddie Fermin one is really interesting because um, – the Royals have been playing Salvador Perez a lot at first base, um, which is really funny. If you look at uh, the roster resource page on Fangraphs, they have Salvador Perez listed as the starting center fielder for the Royals, which is, <laughs> I can tell you, not, I not correct. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's been playing first base a lot. So Freddie Fermin is actually catching like four games a week. Um, and if you're in a two-catcher format, you know, that's, that is certainly usable, especially when you've got a guy who's, you know, hitting 307 on the year with, you know, nine home runs in 50 games. Like, you know, so he was, he was bid on, um, and also key Brian Hayes, um, key Brian Hayes was bid on a lot. He featured in, you know, my Sunday, uh, stat leaderboard column. Um, he's come back, he's hitting the ball hard. He's lifting the ball a little bit more than we're used to seeing with him. Um, so some of that has translated to, to home run power um, and he's hitting at the top of the order for the pirates. And, you know, we, if, if he was forgotten about in your league, I think he's absolutely worth taking a gamble on. Yeah. If you remember when he first came up, he hit the ball extremely hard, had some really good results, uh, has struggled, you know, with injury, but also, like you said, the launch angle has been part of it, uh, but still very young. And, you know, we shouldn't give up on the talent there with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of injuries and not giving up on on talent, Royce Lewis uh, has been out for a little over a month with an oblique injury. I think it was like the first week of July that he went down. Uh, he's making his way ha- way back. He's on a rehab assignment right now. He's actually picked up in my TGFBI league as well, uh, which I think is pretty smart pickup because he should be back with the Twins uh, this week. We'll see what he can do. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how that plays out because. Um, They've been using Jorge Polanco at third, so they can keep um, Edward Julian in the in the lineup at second. Um, you know, Royce Lewis can play a number of different places, so you know he could 
take some of those at bats from Willie Castro, who's been playing like center and left. He could take the at bats from Matt Walner in the outfield. I mean, we don't really know where the twins are going to put him in, but I'm curious because especially since Polanco has really not hit well, um, you know, and it could just be injury related, but um, you know, I'm, I'm just curious to see how that, that playing time shakes out. Uh, the other rehab guy I would keep an eye on is Tanner Houck, who the Red Sox have said is going to be in the rotation. He's making one more rehab start and then he returns against the Astros. So you're certainly not like running out, um, but he's a name to keep an eye on because I think after the Astros start, um, you know, there's definitely some fantasy friendly um, aspects to, to him and, you know, 15 team leagues. Uh, I think he's a valuable pickup. Good stuff. Any other uh, pickups you had over the weekend? Yeah. I am urging people to please add Chase Silseth. Um, okay. I've, I've written about him uh, a lot. Uh, he's still available in 61% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, he was available in my 12 team, um, and I scooped him this week. He didn't miss a lot of bats against the Astros, but it was a good outing. He has been really good since he's been in the rotation. I know Griffin Canning is coming back. I cannot see them taking Chase Silseth out of the rotation with the way yeah. that he's pitched. Um, especially since Reed Detmers is really struggling lately. Tyler Anderson has struggled pretty much all year. Um, so, you know, I think that those are guys who could certainly move out of the rotation. And the new kind of like sweeper that he's throwing, the change uh, to his slider, has really been beneficial for for Silseth. And I think that, you know, he's a guy who's certainly worth adding. Um if you're looking for short-term ads, I would add um, Oslavis Basabi, who's the shortstop for the Rays. We don't really need to go into why he's going to play a lot for the Rays, but in the short term, he's going to play a decent amount for the Rays. Yeah. Um, he hit 296 in AAA with 16 stolen bases. He is not a power bat, but he's a high average hitter um, who's going to steal some bases, and the Rays get only – right-handed pitching um sorry yeah. they get a lot of left-handed pitching i apologize uh and he is a righty and the rays like to put soon but you know this week i think he's set to see a decent amount of playing time and then who knows what that playing time looks like after this week but i think a short-term ad um he's certainly a really good one uh we don't have to get in the reasons of you know like you said uh why he's going to play but the rays kind of the state of the rays right now like you worried about them I mean, they've lost most sure. of their they've lost most of their pitching staff. Of course, they got off to the amazing start to the season, but they've been an under five hundred team uh, for a while now. Yeah, I'm. I'm certainly worried about them. Um, I, I think the the Orioles look like a surefire AL East champion right now, um, given the state of the other teams. Yeah. Um, you know, the Rays still have a five-game cushion in the wild card. It would take a big collapse to lose that. So I feel like they're probably still safe. But who knows how that's going to play out. I'm just intrigued by, you know, you, you see a lot of teams get criticism, like the Mets did earlier with Vientos, for calling up prospects and not playing them regularly. But nobody seems to criticize the Rays for doing that. Yeah. Um like Curtis Mead got called up and is is barely playing. He seems to only really be playing against lefties uh, with a handful of, of starts here and there against right. righties. Um, they did it earlier with like Jonathan Aranda and Vidal Brujan, and you know maybe those guys were never going to turn out to be good prospects, but maybe they needed 
more playing time initially. Um, yeah. So that works for, you know, Basabi and also for Curtis Mead, who's still up with the big league team. Where like yeah. these are guys who are prospects of note, who people are high on in in various formats, uh, and if they're not going to get regular playing time because you know you want to get um, Harold Ramirez in the lineup, or you know you really need to get um, at bats for, I mean, Jose Siri has been playing really well, so that's understandable. But it's it's tough. It's tough to see how how those guys are going to emerge, and then you see like a guy like Nathan Nathaniel Lowe. Sorry, Nathaniel. Um, you know, goes to Texas and emerges, and he right. never got playing time in right. Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah. So at some point, I think the hyper shifting of their players and platooning of their roster can sometimes be a detriment. With some of these guys, just need regular at bats. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we always think like the Rays are the smartest team in the room, but uh, you know they're going to have their share of misses too. It it will happen. Sure, you can always you can always outsmart yourself. Um, it yeah. is certainly something that, that many people have done. Um, yeah. I will also say we were just talking about injuries. I forgot that uh, Marcus Stroman um, is also set to return on Wednesday from the IL. Uh, so if he's available in your league, um, that's a guy who, who could be uh, somebody to add. And I've, I'm kind of like the Diamondbacks designating Carson Kelly for assignment. I saw that, yeah. Wild to me. Um, it's yeah. just, you know, seeing – in particular, catching is just, you know, he's taken a beating injury-wise over the last couple of years, yeah, and yeah. It, it's that, that cliff can sometimes come real quick for catchers. Yeah, he kind of looked like their their franchise guy for a while. Obviously, they've moved on here. Um, but, no, I mean, I could see I could see a contender picking him up and, you know, seeing what he can do down the stretch. But uh, yeah. We didn't – We I feel like we should mention, because we joked about it weeks ago, that um, – the Royals optioned Edward Olivares to the minors <laughs> on Sunday um, because that's what they do. What uh, they do. Yeah. So, you know, when they put Drew Waters on the bereavement list, they called up Nelson Velasquez, who we mentioned on the trade deadline yeah. podcast, had come over from the Cubs. In the two games that Nelson Velasquez started while Drew Waters was out, he homered in both games. Uh, he went three for eight with two home runs and three RBIs. So Drew Waters came back from the bereavement list, and they sent Edward Olivares down to the minors. Um, and you know, I, part of that is you know we we like to joke in like the fantasy baseball industry that like the Royals don't like Edward Olivares. He doesn't really play defense, um, sure. and that severely limits your ability to get on the field. But what it does mean is that I, I think Nelson Velasquez is really interesting in deeper leagues. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure how he gets on the field right away because they do consistently play, you know, MJ Melendez, Drew Waters, and Kyle Isbell in the outfield. But Velasquez can hit, and he's only 24, and this is a Royals team that's not going anywhere right now. And if he's going to keep hitting, it it's just dumb to not let him get at bats. So I, I would take a flyer in like 15-plus team leagues to see if if he can get in that lineup. So the Braves have the highest team batting average this month. The Dodgers are second. The Royals are third, which I think might might surprise some folks. But uh, they did get a series against the Mets, so I'm sure that helped them. Uh, I love throwing in the digs against the Mets. But uh, I did want to mention Bobby Witt Jr. as well. If you remember how he really, really struggled to begin the year, he was producing fantasy-wise because he had the volume at the top of the lineup, so he was stealing bases. 
providing a little bit of power, scoring some runs, but batting average on base percentage wise was a, was a big disappointment. But if you remember, if you looked at like his expected stats through the first couple of months of the season, it was like, you know, he's hitting the cover off the ball and he should mm-hmm. be qu- hitting close to 300. It, it took a while for things to kind of normalize, but Witt has been very good for a couple of months now and has probably played him ba- and played himself back into being like a first round pick next year. It's almost like these really young guys sometimes just, you know, need a little bit of time um, because there was also the same exact like hand wringing over Gunnar Henderson early in the year and yep. Tristan Casas earlier in the year. And all three of those guys are crushing the ball lately. Um, yep. And so I, I think that like, you know, at this time of year, obviously you need to be a little ruthless because you don't have three weeks to wait and see if somebody can figure it out. But just a general note is early in the season, you know, it is okay to give these young guys with the upside a little bit of leash. I mean, I I have my Red Sox fandom to blame, but like I held Casas in literally every single league I had him in. I picked him up in leagues that he was dropped in um, because I just thought that the talent is there. There's nothing really concerning in the profile. And the same thing happened with Gunnar Henderson and Bobby Witt. There was nothing you were looking at where you were like, oh, this is why they're struggling. They really are doing terrible at X. Um, And so some of those guys, like they need to, they need time to figure it out. Um, Whereas like we looked at Anthony Volpe's profile and you were like, okay, the homers and stolen bases are good. The plate discipline is a problem. um, And that has kept the batting average down all year because there was, there was a signal there for all of that. Right. Um, Yeah. Definitely something to think about, you know, if if we're in May next year and a top prospect gets a a shot um, to be a little, little more patient. Yeah. Uh, just a, a quick note, since we are doing waiver stuff, I did take some flyers on Angel Felipe in deep leagues as a potential closer for the, the A's at the end of the season, which okay. uh, doesn't give you a, lo- a lot of saves necessarily. Um, Trevor May was doing pretty well. The implosion, he imploded last night. Um, mm. And, you know, Angel Felipe is a former Rays prospect who is 25 years old. Um, he throws in the mid nineties. He's pitched over 14. He's pitched 14 and two thirds innings for the A's out of the bullpen with a two forty five ERA. Um, and he's got a 30% strikeout rate. The control is a little iffy, but I do believe that he's the next man up in that bullpen. Um, so if they make that, that switch, you know, I could see getting some saves there. And also like I've been burned by this guy like three times this year, but Reynaldo Lopez is pitching really well since coming to the Angels. Carlos Estevez is struggling. Um, so I could see like Matt Moore or Reynaldo Lopez, you know, maybe not taking over the job, but but getting a few saves um, if they need to give Estevez a break a little bit. And then we were right, and it, many people were right, so it's not just like a back pat to us, but we knew the Mariners weren't going to, pick just one guy um, and yep. Matt Brash has been super useful um, with some wins, some saves, a lot of like late inning work. Um, yep. So he's still somebody, if he's floating around on, on your waivers um, to go and grab. And then the, the, the Phillies seem to be kind of splitting work between Kimbrel and Sir Anthony Dominguez. Yeah. Um, so I grabbed Sir Anthony Dominguez in a couple of places thinking like, he's not the primary closer, but he's pitching pretty well again. Uh, the Phillies are a good team. They're going to put him in position for wins and saves. 
Um, so those are some guys that, at the back end um, that I think you can certainly, uh, you know, take some shots on. Good stuff. Good stuff. Remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. You can actually find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Also, do yourself a favor and check out the Rotable Football Show with training camp underway, preseason games. Uh, started this past weekend, lots of fantasy football prep going on, so check out that show. Also, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Eric is at SamskiNYC. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, everyone. See you next time. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.